0: What's happening, guys? It's uh, Christopher Sweat here. A rant. Uh, I've got a really exciting guest with me today, uh, Razib Khan. And uh, I wanted to host Razib because I, you know, I've been interacting with Razib's material and thinking in different ways on the internet. And uh, I, I think a lot of it is uh, is fascinating. Um, but I'll also think like maybe is also in a in the vein of thought that gets misinterpreted um so Razif, i guess maybe like where we could kind of start on a on like a basic level is just like uh like maybe you could give an introduction of like how you got into the the kind of work that you do on on genetics the writing the thinking some Mm -hmm. of the other uh you, you know things that you speak about
1: yeah i mean that's um kind of a weird story so uh if you want to start at the beginning i'm gonna start at the beginning with your um listeners and viewers i uh, you me. know in in 2002 i was um a young man working in web development stuff like that and the tldr on this is uh, i had a buddy who was in graduate school and he's like let's start a blog and i was like oh maybe and then he was like and let's like set it up on our own hosting and you're doing web development like can you help me out with that and maybe you could write some too and i am like oh, okay and the you know what ended up happening is a couple of years later he dropped off and He's a very successful person now, actually. Um, so you know, he's great. He's doing great. But uh, I kept doing the blog, which was kind of originally his idea. Uh, and I kept writing, and so I just kept doing it. Whatever I was doing, working web development, you know, um, other things, IT. Then I was eventually in graduate school, and now I do genetics. Um, you know, I do various contracting work and other stuff like that. Uh, and then um, you know. So here I am, um, you know, 20 years later, uh, still writing about genetics. Uh and my life has changed in a lot of ways, but I'm still doing that same thing. And I guess the reason I'm here is I I don't see um I don't see anybody else doing what I'm doing, so I might as well keep doing it. And I have a Substack. Uh if you guys want to go to receive.substack.com, uh, I have started monetizing it after 20 years. So, uh or 19 years. I, I waited a long time, but Uh, Basically, I figure if I keep producing this content... uh, Let's see if anyone will pay for it. People have, so I'm I'm doing that. And um, I write for places like Unheard, uh, Quillette. um, You know, just sometimes randomly I'll write... Well, not randomly. I'll write for India today. Like, I I will write... I mean, a lot of it is, like, time and opportunity cost and, you know, what audience am I reaching. But, uh, yeah, I write for various places. Uh, I pretty much... I mean, this is not an open invitation, but I pretty much agree to all podcasts. (laughs) You know, I don't want to spend all day, I don't want to spend all day, like, recording podcasts with people, because I have work to do, you know, but, uh, so that's not an open invitation, but, excuse me, I was at a party this weekend in Austin, and, um, where I live, and, uh, someone, uh, someone came to the party, like, the party was thrown by, uh, well, I mean, I'll just say it, uh, it was Ayla, who people know from online, uh and sure. she had a bunch of people fly in one of the people was like oh yeah i flew in because i saw you were on the party list and i really liked you on such and such podcast and i was like what is that and they're like well you were oh, on the podcast and i was like well i don't remember what the podcasts are called you know i mean you i mean like everyone has a name you know what i'm saying but like yeah. that's not what i'm focused on i'm just like i'll jump on and uh i don't do any prep obviously i don't I should probably research. Hey, Chris, you, you don't have anything problematic in your background. I'm not going to get in trouble for you on the podcast, right? You know, <laughs> no, so I don't do what? research on people when I jump on. So, like, who knows? Like, you could be a member of the KKK or something. I don't know, <laughs> you know? So,
0: um, no, certainly not me.
1: Eh, well, you never know. But, um, you know, so uh, I, uh, I, I do jump on podcasts, and, like, I, I don't keep track of all of that stuff. But, uh, you know, I like talking about genetics. I like talking about what I like talking about. And so if you want to talk about it with me why not right so yeah.
0: yeah how did um so how did you go from where you started into genetics like what kind of pulled you through and what's the interest there
1: yeah uh, i've always obviously been interested in it uh like i remember when i was an undergraduate i was a biochemistry major uh which is you know it's in life science but it's a very different area than genetics uh and my genetics courses were my favorite so i ended up going to grad school to do genetics like you know Twelve years later, something like that. After being like in IT and other things uh, for a while, um, I like genetics because you don't have to do. I mean, okay, there are people that do like pipetting and the bench stuff, but you can be a compute guy like me. Analysis, thought, theory, deduction. So, uh, like you know, and I would say an ex friend because he got woke, but like it's a good quote, so I, I'm not gonna like just steal it without attribution. But I'll just say like you know, an ex friend. He's a geneticist, and he said the reason he did genetics because he's speaking to neuroscience and genetics, and he's like, what do I have to memorize less? In neuroscience, you have to memorize a lot because they don't have that much theory. I mean, they're starting to develop it, but in genetics, you have a lot of theory, which means that you don't have to memorize as much. Like you can derive things. You know what I'm saying? So, like concretely, if pe- like you know, I know like uh, like for example, let's say height. I know height is 80% heritable. The expected value for offspring of two people who uh, you know are like X inches tall, convert to standard deviation units in my head, average that, and do a 20% regression to the mean, and I can give you the expected value for your children's height. You know, I don't have to memorize anything. I just have to know the general concepts and then I compute. And so that's why I like genetics. Uh, you know, it allows you to make inferences, deductions, and, and stuff like that. And you don't have to uh, memorize. I mean, I'm you know not to brag, but I'm pretty good at memorization actually. Uh, but it's not. Uh, yep. It's not as valuable. You know, memorization is like you go to the stack rather than like kind of on the fly computing, and you can't. You know, you can't say as much about the world when you have to memorize it. Uh,
0: that's interesting. Um, so, like. From your perspective, why do you think genetics is like, like you mentioned somebody getting woke, why do you think genetics is such like a contentious discussion for a lot of people?
1: Uh, you know, like uh, hereditarianism, nature-nurture, like can we change social things, all of that. Um, so it is contentious, and you know, genetics did, um, the like early 20th century genetics and early 20th century eugenics uh, were like really hard to separate. Uh, some of mm-hmm. the earlier, like, the I think the paper or the journal Heredity, like, I think it used to be, like, eugenics. You know what I'm saying? There are journals that used to be called eugenics that changed their name. Uh, the eugenics chair in the Galton Laboratory. Galton is the founder of eugenics in the late 19th century. Uh, now it's, I think it's, like, the genetics chair. Like, they had to change the name. Uh, so obviously there's that history. that you connect it with the Nazis, supposedly. And, I mean, there's arguments about that, uh, which, I don't know. Adam Rutherford, the British um, geneticist, he has a book out which I think elaborates why this is kind of misleading. Uh, like, really, mm-hmm. the prominent geneticists were not down with what the Nazis specifically were doing. They had they had a different idea of eugenics, and that kind of has been confused. But only British people really care about that. In America, it's like eugenics, you know. I mean, what was like... Um, like, Brett Weinstein on Clubhouse, that's how we met, you know, obviously, so just for the listener or viewers. Uh, yeah. You know, he was like... Uh, I, he was he was in some room where people were accusing him of being like a racist and a white supremacist and a eugenicist because he was an evolutionary biologist, mm. you know. So those are the associations. Mm. That's why it's controversial, you know.
0: Do you think it's fair, or do you think it maybe holds back um, like potential legitimate knowledge that you know could have a, some kind of impact on society?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's well. I mean, let's talk about um, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, let's talk about, say, like... uh, I don't know, let's say sex differences, okay? Like, this is, like, low-hanging fruit, but that's done now. Um, In terms of just, like, you know, the intelligentsia, what Zayi Jelani calls the blue stack. You know, you can't talk about it. But, uh, so i watch Vikings, uh, the show, uh, because I like Viking shows, and I'm actually reviewing it for Unheard at some point. Uh, I want to write about Vikings and their genetics. But, you know, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Maidens are there, and they're, like, kicking ass. And I'm just, like... Okay, like okay, like so. There's like there's like there's like a black Jarl, okay, or she's half black or whatever, right? And I know people are criticizing mm. that, and that is kind of politically correct, like they weren't that common. There was a little bit of diversity, but not that much. That didn't bother me as much as like a hundred and thirty pound model, female model, like beating the crap out of a two hundred pound dude. Do you mm. know what I'm saying? So I mean, this is not necessarily genetics, but like human biology. I mean, I kind of like. I don't know if I should say this. I kind of like seeing sexy women fighting. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> On the other hand, I think people are getting the wrong impression. I would prefer just one of them. Because when I see like a bunch of shield maidens, I'm like, dude, like their aggregate weight is fifty percent of these guys. They're destroying, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like if your listeners know, like you can Google it. But the sex difference in the upper body strength is incredible. Like very weak okay. men can beat the crap out of very the strongest women. It's like I think mm-hmm. that the woman would be for like grip strength, for example. Um, The average woman is at the 5th percentile of a man.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, or, like, uh, here's another statistic. German Olympic medalist female fencers, uh, their average strength, uh, like, their average grip strength, and these are Olympic medalists, is is around, like, the average man.
0: Interesting.
1: So, uh, I think, like, you know, in terms of biology, realism versus you know, that kind of stuff does bother me. And that's not that big of a deal. It's, like, TV... But, um, like, let's talk about, like, military, you know? Now that we're doing gr- drones, like, whatever, that doesn't matter. Uh, but if you're having, say, like, uh, you know, ground pounder type people, you know, mobile infantry, uh, s- you know, upper body strength matters a lot. And so if women, for example, if, if you know, and I've had, like, acquaintances, like, well, you know, I mean, like, they're only, like, women are only, like, 5 to 10% of infantry. Like, that's pretty sexist. I'm like, no, they're weak. Mm. I mean, I'm just, like, being mm. objective here. Right? There are some women that are really strong. And so they can they can hang. But most women cannot. And so there's just not gonna be that much of the mobile infantry. Right? Mm-hmm. Like at least at the elite level special forces and stuff like that. And like special forces are very like for example, like uh, special forces are very like particular in terms of they actually tend not to be tall because really tall big guys that are super strong, they don't have the endurance. Right? Okay. And so they're usually five eight to like six feet, like they're in like average height And that's because they need to be, like, extremely strong, but also have high endurance. So they're not the strongest Mm. of the strongest, you know, because, for example, really tall guys, they can't pull themselves over things very easily, and they get, like, exhausted. And so I'm just, like, getting into the details here, because there's all these details in the parameter space of, like, extreme physical characteristics and exceptionality, and, you know, like, there's going to be more men in that space, way more. Like, the more extreme Mm. you get, uh, the more men there will be in something, like, that requires upper body strength, right? Mm. And so, like, if you're gonna have, like, say, 10% of infantry be females, if you're talking special forces, it's gonna be like 1%. Okay, because the amount of strength and agility and all these other things, uh, at least in the upper body, men have it. Women are like, you know, obviously more even in the lower body for various reasons. But um, anyway, it's just like that's just something that I would I I would talk about. Uh, you can go into like uh, into group differences too, and some of that's pretty controversial. But like, uh, like for example, if you look at like chess. Uh, they don't look like the world, right? Uh, they're like really, really weirdly selected, and you know some of this is obviously cultural. Like, there's a lot of Armenians. Chess has been really big in Armenia for various reasons. Armenia, Romania. There's some countries that invested in it, some countries that don't. After, uh, after an Indian guy became like the the world's number one. I think maybe before Magnus Carlson, like Vishwan. I don't, I don't. Whatever, Vishwan, whatever. A lot of Indians got into it. it the southern state of Tamil Nadu. So most of the Indian, like, really, really high-ranked players are from one state in India, right? And so that's because, okay. like, this is where the focus is. There's some talent there, blah, blah, blah. But they don't look like like the rest of India does not. They can't hang. Maybe they could. But they got other things they're doing, you
0: know? Mm-hmm. But why, why do you think, like, so, like, just for my audience, because we're usually talking politics or tech or business. Yeah like what's the basic way to think about group difference and then how do you explore that through genetics in your practice
1: yeah um so uh in terms of like uh in terms of group difference um the way i so there's a uh, this guy has an inappropriate well james f crow uh he, his nickname was jim crow so it's, it's unfortunate oh, <laughs> but uh, he's a really great biologist he died in 2012 lived like 100 years or 95 years um so he has a paper called uh, Unequal by Nature from 2002. You can find versions of it on Google Scholar that are free or on SciHub. I think I can say that uh, Unequal by Nature: A Geneticist's Perspective on Human Differences. So this outlines the issues. So the way that I would think about it is like we think in terms of distribution. So like let's think about like basketball players. Uh, they're tall, okay? People think about their height, but that's not the only parameter they're being selected on. Most people that are six foot ten. How tall are you, Chris? Six three. Okay, well, you're at the edge of normal, where it's like, uh, yeah. basically, when you're six three, your build and your dexterity and your mobility and everything is pretty much normal. Once you start to get above yeah. six three, uh, guys get gangly. Okay, like we have all sorts of words okay. for it. They get awkward. When you look at someone like Michael Jordan, he's six 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 seven. I mean, you're younger than me, so I don't know. Like LeBron, right? Uh, LeBron's like what, like six yeah. nine? Right. Uh, typical yeah, guys so. who are six nine are not that graceful, right? Uh, they don't have okay. the coordination, the dexterity. And so basically, um, what are NBA players? Uh, they're selected on multiple things, but maybe that's the two biggest things. Obviously, height, we know that. Yeah, they're generically athletic. Okay, there's a lot of athletic guys. But they're incredibly dexterous and graceful for men that size, okay? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. they're being selected in multiple ways. Um, and so, okay, they tend to be mostly like black men, Uh, There's some cultural reasons for it, but there could be some, like, biological reasons, and, you know, uh, there could be, like, some differences. So, for example, the average Japanese man is, like, an inch or two shorter than the average white man or the black man in the United States.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's probably, like, genetic at the end of the day in terms of, like, you know, there's enough nutrition now. It used to be, like, a five-inch gap, and now it's a one-inch gap, and it's not really shrinking, you know? The average northern Chinese is about, like, one to two inches taller than the average southern Chinese male, uh, these differences are going to matter a lot at the tails, okay? Okay. And so there's obviously no height difference between black men and white men in the United States, but, like, you could have, like, okay, like, there's a slight difference in twitch muscles, okay? That could be a difference at the tails, like, you know, white men can't jump, that's what they say. Or it could be something, like, a slight difference in certain types of environmental pushes. Like, you could have, like, a non-genetic reason. But so you have these distributions, these overval- overlapping multivariate distributions, and... And so what you're gonna get is these like uh, selective sieves like selection effects where it's gonna like not be just dis- representative of uh like for example uh um, the spelling bee Hmm. I mean script spelling bee I mean that don't look like America, you know what I'm saying you know the question <laughs> like th- like last year like a young black woman won so it was like that was like different right but normally it's sure. like the question is whether it's gonna be like a North Indian or a South Indian you know okay. oh, you know. <laughs> and like this uh, that's not really genetic it's because there's something called the north south federation the indian american communities have been investing in uh spelling for about like 20 years now and so like they got like this whole institutional setup and they crank these smart kids through these like networks and they produce massively great spellers right and so you have like less than one percent of the population that's like won the vast majority of spelling bee contests I mean, to the point mm-hmm. where, like, I went to the Scripps website once, and they were clearly trying to pick out non-Indian kids to highlight.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because like that. it was like it was starting to
1: look weird,
0: you know. Sure. So, do, uh, so do you think like um, when you're looking at genetic differences, you know, obviously some of these things you're discussing are the environment or other types of decisions that you know yeah. produce these outcomes that you observe, but but do you think like does it have a negative impact on people's perception of agency or like what like what is it like you know so first of all uh, even at 6'3 I'm usually the tallest man in the room I understand it's at the top of the normal but when I uh, was at this event in Vegas three years ago with the starting uh, Los Angeles Lakers team LeBron was not there but everyone else was uh, I, I couldn't believe that, uh, these men were six eight, six nine, six eleven, seven one, you know, cause I, you know, they made me feel like I was five foot one.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, a, a lot of them still had a similar kind of, uh, build to me. They're, they're still thin men. Yes. Like I think people assume they're more muscular, like LeBron is muscular, but I think he's like an above average example. Most are very thin length, yeah. like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but so in reality, like there's no way for me to be taller, and uh, I, there's no way for me to get to the physical capabilities of uh, probably almost all men in the NBA. It's, it's yes. probably not possible.
1: Not 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 through training. I mean, that's like that's genes, baby. Like at that okay. level, at that level.
0: But so what is that? Is that like the root of where people may take genetic? understandings out of context or where uh people may you know be frustrated about certain physical or natural limitations is that like like what do you think like uh, yeah um so fired up?
1: yeah it's, it's a complicated question because uh, you know it depends on do you know what that it depends on what your personality and your psychology is you know what i'm saying because um I mean first of all it's like whatever the truth of the world is if you change your view of the truth of the world that doesn't actually change who you are ever you know so like it's a psychological okay. thing like you were saying you know what i'm saying so it's just you know i mean it's just like you are always what you are always you you are always what you are your just understanding of it changes right so that's one thing i guess like, it's like mm-hmm. kind of like a postmodern point i guess but um in terms of genetic understanding you know like people will say you know, obviously they are—they drive from group differences to individual differences. Like that's just a fallacy, but it's a human intuition, I think, because I've seen many mm-hmm. people do it, especially uh, people without STEM backgrounds, because they don't think quantitatively. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, like for okay, here's an example. Uh, uh, I'm from Pacific Northwest. I'm from Oregon, and when I was in college, uh, a family, like a mom and a son. There was like I forget they inherited some money and they're from Mississippi. He's black, and um, uh, the mom was like, "We can move anywhere we want to. Like I'll find another job somewhere, but you know we can like just move anywhere we want to. Like we have the in the United States." She was like, "You can move anywhere, just anywhere as long as within reason. Like not like Bel Air or something, right?" And um, you know he was like, "I want to move to Oregon." Okay, now in Oregon there there are very few black people. Okay, there are some, Northeast Portland, whatever. But, um, so, and he's, we're not in Portland, you know, this is, uh, this is Eugene, Oregon, I'm in college. And yeah. so, uh, and he's not, like, he doesn't, he doesn't look like you. Like, most black people in Oregon look like you. They're very light-skinned. They're usually, yeah. like, half-black, honestly, you know? Like, he's yeah. very dark-skinned, right? So he stands out. And uh, frat boys kept wanting to play basketball with him. Okay? Like, okay. he'd just be walking down the street. They'd be like, yo, what's up? Come on, man. And he's like, I don't, <laughs> and he's not very good at basketball, Dang. you know? And so they would be super disappointed. Yeah. So okay. so this is where, like, a group stereotype really annoyed him because he sucked. And they were, they were like, uh, they were apparently, like, okay, like, why am I beating you at basketball?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, like, well, and he was a tall guy, by the be, way.
0: You know, just to be so clear. You, so you're saying, like, sometimes people may apply uh, or at least maybe a perception of, uh genetic group difference to individuals maybe those things produce these stereotypes
1: yeah well i mean what what do they what do people in or who do people what black people do oregon see in, in people in oregon see they see the portland trailblazers you know what i'm saying yeah they see people on tv that sure. are doing sports you know what i'm saying um mm-hmm. and so and then there's a stereotype uh the, the black people are good at basketball it's just a stereotype and he's a tall black yeah. guy who was, you know, he was moderately fit, I would say, at the time. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't like, obese or anything. He looked like an athletic guy. He was moderately athletic. He just wasn't very good mm. at basketball, okay? Mm. Like, he played football when he was in Mississippi. Uh, so he was apparently pretty good at football, but he just was not very coordinated uh, at basketball. Yeah. He wasn't a good shooter. And so he's losing to these guys. And they're, like, kind of pissed because they're just like, I thought, like, I was going to get some competition here. And so basically he was just like... If he was at a gym, he would, like, avoid the basketball area because, like, they, people would be uh, wanting him to play because they were going to think he was going to dunk on them. And, it was gonna be, and he's like, no! <laughs> you know, so that's, that's not right. just a story. That's a real story.
0: Do you think, like, um, so, like, it's cool to hear you talk through the some of the modeling that you do, the statistics and so forth. And, it, and by the way, I'm super jealous that you can do some of it in your head not on that level yet but um and maybe i won't be that's why i use computer systems but um
1: uh, sure sure no yeah computer so, great
0: but do you think like uh genetics is dangerous if it's looked at in a vacuum like yeah you mean you without that-
1: context i mean it can't be so the argument is you know and i have like you know i have like there are geneticists out there like you know i I've got, like, attacked online a lot, like, every six months now. Uh, Geneticists and scientists are getting super woke, and uh, I don't really care. I'm just going to continue saying what I actually believe. But, you know, privately, some of them are just, like, you know, these are literal quotes, like, you know, well, you know, I'm a liberal, and I I think that this is going to cause problems, you know? Okay. Uh, Just because people are going to think that, you know, you know, genetic determinism, all of these things. And then, like, you know, uh, a lot of scientists, uh, you know, they know their... like, they know their shit but uh, they don't know history mm-hmm. and they think oh well because of these scientific views people committed the holocaust and I'm like no that's science was very very like not a big deal for the nazis like so concretely for example like I think it was Hans Gunther was like a kind of a crappy biological anthropologist but he did like a survey of like German racialogy, basically I think race science like literally mm-hmm. and it's like only 10% of Germans were Aryan they didn't publish that mm-hmm. You know? Because they don't Mm -hmm. care. Like, if the science doesn't support what they view, they don't care. You know? So my point is, like, they used science however they wanted to, but it wasn't like... It wasn't like they were being guided by it. You know? Whatever it was. I mean, that was kind of fake science anyways, but my point is at the end of the day, if the science contradicted their ideology in any way, they would ignore the science. So a lot of, like, the Nazi... Nazi biology and Nazi science was almost, like, pre-Darwinian. It was very vitalistic. Uh, it was weird. It wasn't, it wasn't like standard genetics and biology, really. Like they mixed some of it in, but it wasn't mm-hmm. uh, as straightforward as people like to think. My, my general hypothesis is like science doesn't drive history. Science enables history. So okay. science can enable you to do things. So, for example, like the Nazi genocide was enabled by kind of like a rationalist, systematizing uh, mindset industrial processes that are enabled by science. You know, mm. it's not like people didn't have these thoughts in the past. They just couldn't with swords and, and daggers. Like, I mean, you can't, you know. So, I mean, the, the Nazis originally, the National Socialist regime initially was like uh, gunning people down. One, that was costing a lot of bullets. Two, the soldiers that were killing, uh, that were like mowing down whole villages uh, were starting to get PTSD. Like they had to, they had to get drunk and, and do drugs and stuff. And so the gas chambers were actually uh, an efficient invention for them in terms of, like, more cost-effective and kind of people didn't get as – the people that were doing the murdering didn't get as traumatized, right? And so, like, this is a rational scientific response. But that doesn't mean that science dictated any of that. Does that make sense? And so uh, the science can tell you what the world is like, but then you do with it whatever you want to do. And, you know, some scientists think, like, well, hey, Razib, like, you should never say this because – you know, white supremacists will use this information, and I'm like, if you're always thinking about what people will do with your information, like, I don't really care about this intellectual enterprise then, because, Mm. like, if you're in the service of, like, ideology, like, okay, that's the way it's always been then, you know? So, Mm. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's just like, you know, like, okay, like, if that's the way you look at it, okay, like, let's figure out a good religion to convert to, because uh, it's a lot less, those people are a lot less unpleasant than this woke crap, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it's not about truth, if it's about, like, serving a particular ideology, well, let's pick a good ideology then. Because this, this is not a good one, in my opinion. Uh, you know, uh, let's have, like, some cathedrals, or I don't know. You know, I'm, like, I'm half-joking, but you know what I'm getting at. Like, once, once, you, once you concede that truth is not the whole point of it, then you've conceded the whole game, because that's the only reason we give you the privilege to be offensive. Right, so scientists and scholars get to do what they do because they have a higher calling beyond serving society, like they serve truth. I, yeah. Once you serve society and not truth, then you're just like everybody else, and so just get in line, you know. Like, you, you shouldn't have the independence and the freedom that you're claiming because you're not using it for a higher purpose, you're using it for a very, very uh, you know, prosaic purpose,
0: sure. Uh, um, yeah, I see. that's such an interesting way to look at it, and and again, I'm not arguing for or against any of this and I'm, I'm sure i have contentious views too but it's usually like around like uh markets or yeah yeah i mean
1: you're like a an anarcho e- capitalist
0: right
1: you know. what that you're like a narco capitalist the- kind of right
0: no hell no. no i hate those people okay yeah <laughs> no um no i hate those people actually we'll have to talk about that some other time but um but so uh so, so just like still in the, in the vein of genetics, like I'm sure that has informed some of your beliefs, but I'm, I'm sure there's other, you know, things that have, uh, informed your beliefs, but like, are there, if you, if you're able to share or think of this off the top, are there like certain beliefs, like you say, people on the internet come at you every six months, or are there certain beliefs that for whatever reason, just create, uh, stronger responses from people or like beliefs that you've held on to for a while
1: yeah i mean you know like group differences in like heritable characteristics having to do with behavior and stuff like that uh that's just like a third rail and like i could just like lie (laughs) but i'm not gonna lie (laughs) i have some i have some friends that lie I mean, I'm not gonna call them friends. Whatever. Like, just people I know. <laughs> okay. I, I, I just imagine them kind of like reading the hostage note. But, uh, yeah. There's just a, there's a very like there's a turgid way you say it, and I just think it's funny. But I mean, maybe I mean you know, uh, depending on the climate in the United States, I might just have to lie at some point because they you know they let people lie. Like if you if you just like lie, they'll like pretend like the past didn't happen. I think so. They do have some level of forgiveness, you know. But. um... Uh, Yeah, like, those sorts of things, you know, you're not supposed to say that, Um, and I do, and then, like, they add all sorts of things, like, I don't talk about the trans stuff too much, but they throw that in, because it's all together, you know, they think it's all together, Uh, so that's usually the thing, I mean, I have, like, conflicts with different groups, like, I mean, that's, like, in America, like, the Hindu nationalists sometimes come at me because they're stupid, no offense. (laughs) they're gonna come at me now you know but a lot of them are not very smart so they misunderstand what i'm saying because they don't have the cognitive capability like again like i'm gonna get yelled at now but um i like sometimes like oh yeah so um why oh, this funny so uh you know the frog nazis right um i like kind of diss them sometimes so they're like why are you dissing me and i'm like well i think you're inferior to me and then they just like flip out but i was like but oh, i thought dude. you believed in like superiority and inferiority and you're like less intelligent than me so I don't want you to talk to me and they just like mm. freak freak out they're like start calling me street okay. shitter the usual thing you know what I'm saying so
0: Jeez.
1: I mean I just don't um,
0: I probably should care
1: more I don't know um,
0: well I'm, one of my plans is to consolidate my belief into a central body soon because uh, mm-hmm. I'm not an anarcho capitalist mm-hmm. But then I've also had like professors think that I was a leftist, even though I was just making an argument that was in opposition to their argument. But not sure, sure, because sure. I'm a leftist, but because I have access to a wide range of politics. So it was fun to do it that way. And, yeah. the, and there are some. In- oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, I mean the, the issue today is like people want you to be like part of some tribe that has kind of laundry lists, and if you don't do that, that just causes problems because people don't know. Yeah. Like, I like if I tweet something, or if I say something that agrees with leftists, like, sometimes people will be like, like, you fucking shitlib, you know, I'm just like, well, I Well, mean, but
0: there's still some le- legitimate arguments in all, like, yeah, and all, Yeah, like, you know, I don't like politics.
1: to do... So, like, what people usually do, and I don't do this consciously, because it just annoys me, I don't agree with so-and-so, I don't agree with such-and-such view, but in this case... And mm. I just, I hate that, so I just, like say what I think, and sometimes that means that I support the left, I guess, and sometimes the right, and, like, I'm more on the right, but I'm just trying to say, like, I don't do the qualification, and so then, like, you know, people will be like, that guy is, like, a right-wing reactionary, why are you, like, approving him? Like, quote, that guy is, like, a communist, you know, and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to spend my life, like, doing that, you know, where it's, like, framing, like, the source of everything, like, I don't agree with Isaac Newton's beliefs in astrology, and Unitarianism, but, you know, this, we can't, you know, like, no, I'm not going to do that, you know, so, like, if that's the kind of thing that, I like, really a- annoys me, so I don't do it, but that means that people get really, um, confused sometimes, and then I have to, like, explain, I mean, sometimes, like, you know, where you are matters, so, like, you know, I, t- I tweeted something about vaccination recently, like, you know, a couple months ago, and some people got confused, and they were, like, well, why aren't you saying this to, like, you know, like, poor black people in the inner city because I was kind of like speaking to like red America and I was just like uh, I don't think that they're like that's not like the people that I interact with like I have a lot of MAGA type followers so I'm speaking to them that's why I'm not speaking it's not that I don't think that poor black people in the inner city should not get vaccinated or should you know should stay unvaccinated I don't I think they too but like I'm not I don't have like that's that those aren't the people that are following me you know? So I'm speaking to the people that are following me, so I'm talking to them, and so sometimes people were, like, getting, like, annoyed, because they're like, why are you talking to this group? And I'm with this group this. in James with me. So I'm talking to them. I'm telling them to get vaccinated, you know? So it gets confusing that way, because sometimes you do have to take into account your audience and where you are and all that stuff, but usually I try not to be, like, too... Because, like, I mean, you can figure out where I am and what I believe. Like, it's online, you know? It's just, like, I guess, like, people ask that you do the work for them all the time by always situating yourself.
0: And I'm just like, I don't like to do that. I don't know. Hmm. No, I can see that. Why do you think, like... Like, I grew up uh, deeply entrenched in Republican politics and Republican uh, rhetoric. Most Republicans don't know that I'm a Republican, and most liberals don't know that I'm a Republican. Uh, But I don't have a, a Trump or kind of MAGA situation, even though I maybe spoke to some of those people earlier this week, right, just uh, as a surrogate for a political candidate running for U.S. Congress, why why do you think, like, with how advanced uh, your work is and, like, how broad your kind of interdisciplinary understanding is that you would categorize your following as MAGA?
1: Well, so I've actually done surveys before of my blog readership and my Twitter, so I kind of know a little bit. Uh, so yeah. something like um, I think like what the way I would uh, categorize it is is about like so about forty percent of my followers are on the right, about forty percent are centrists, and twenty percent are liberals, or left. Okay. So left. So it's like it's it's right tilted. So if you have forty percent of mm-hmm. people who are right tilted, a substantial minority of them are going to be MAGA. That's just like the fact, right? So okay. I have like I, I have like never Trumpers who follow me. I got MAGA-tards who follow me. I've got socialists who follow me. So you never know, you know, but you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't talk about Trump very much. It's not, like, I try not to, it's not that I try not to, but it's just like, okay, like, why would I talk about Trump all the time? Everyone talks about Trump. It's not super interesting. So they don't know what my personal views are, and I don't have very strong views. Like, I kind of am like, okay, like, let's just, like, move on at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're gonna have, from the right perspective, we're gonna have some good things happen in 2022, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah. You know, uh the maga people are just they're very uh yeah, I would say cultic, but they're very personality driven, you know. And I'm not, so I mean there's some deviation, but I also don't um think they're subhuman nazis or something like that. Like they, you know, there are some ways where they disagree a lot with a lot of people on the other side, you know, but you know, liberals aren't communists sure. and maga people aren't nazis. So we live in this country together and we still have to have dialogue and I believe in having dialogue with everybody. Now, I have a difficulty. Like, I have, like, you know, liberal followers. I have liberal people that promote my work that I'm friendly with. But it's a problem on the liberal side because, uh, you know, some of my views are third rails for liberals, you know, or some of the things that I've said, some of the things I'm open to. So, therefore, I can't really be on that side. It's just a fact. It doesn't really matter what the totality of my views are. So, I'm on the right by default. So, like, for example, I don't like that DeSantis made fun of, uh, DeSantis made fun of France. Like, that was stupid. Like, he's being, he's, Mm -hmm. he's being a demagogue, right? He's a, because he's a smart guy. Yeah. Like, he knows how many millions of people died in World War I or hundreds of thousands. You know, uh, we might make fun Mm -hmm. of France, but it wasn't, they're not, (coughs) excuse me. But, you know, he's appealing to a certain crowd. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's still a Republican, right? So, I mean, what am I going to do? You know, vote for Kamala? I don't know, you know? And so it's, like, these are the sort of things where it's, like, I'm pretty realistic about it. Like, you got your side, and you got your people, and sometimes they're stupid. So, for example, like, all of this, like, anti-vax stuff, like, there's a lot of tribalistic anti-vaxing on the right. I'm not down with that. That doesn't mean that I'm, like, you know, vax every infant, okay? Like, so some, some like, you know, part of the blue stack, as Zayi Jelani would say, have, like, gone way out of control, in my opinion. Uh, I'm mandate skeptical, those sorts of things. But I also believe in suasion, try to convince people why vaccination, especially if they're older, obese, etc., you know, is is good and useful. So, uh, but try to be rationalist about that sort of stuff and not, like, scream at people because it's not about making me feel good. I'm already vaccinated. Okay? Sorry. It's about getting you and not specifically you, but I'm just saying, like, getting the people out there to do what's good for them. That's my whole goal. And so, as long as I'm not unprincipled, I will try to do that and I will try to, like, talk to people, you know? Uh, it's just, you know, like I said, um, uh, the MAGA people, uh, they they will talk to me, and I am like uh, on good terms with a lot of them. I think, even though I'm obviously not one of them, um, it's not mm-hmm. the same when it comes, at least in public, with uh, with uh, with the liberal democratic side. So I just I don't expend that much energy, you know. I do sometimes, yeah, but then like it's just it's it's really difficult for me to get any yield out of that. So it's just not it's not useful for me, you know.
0: Yeah, it is interesting, and. You know, obviously, you have a diverse audience. I'm sure people are interpreting uh, your views and perspectives in very different ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, sometimes I tweet out and I know that it's going to be taken opposite ways, and it's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't need to tell you sometimes. what I really believe.
1: <laughs> I do that as a joke sometimes. I'll just tweet out like, "I know that you know. I, I know they're going to take it the opposite ways," because I'm not going to say.
0: <laughs> sure. When I, you know, so like, wh- I'm usually thinking in um, the. Softer areas of science. When I'm like going into uh, philosophy or some of the uh, less uh, mathematical disciplines, e- even though I'm still would be considered a technologist, right? But I, but I like to spend my time thinking on the softer side. So like one of the issues that I have with like certain genetic studies or like the inferences or deductions that get made off of uh, genetic understandings or hereditary things, uh, is that I I do think that it can be used as a way to limit people's uh, agency in certain ways or shape the way that people interact with certain institutions. So I wonder, like, is there... Because I, I would not, I would not denounce like the legitimacy of, uh, you know, these various genetic studies over the years. Uh, whereas I think there's certain people that just denounce it and act like there is nothing legit there. But, but like when the genetics starts to predict uh, or starts to try to predict uh, behavioral outcomes, yeah, that seems that seems to get people like really intense. Sure. Uh like, when when, ge- when you're using or when you're thinking about genetics and behavior, like, w- what connections are you making there? Or, like, w- what does that even look like when those two interact with each other?
1: Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, like, let's talk about, like, concrete stuff that's going to happen. Like, uh, schizophrenia and autism are, like, 70 to 80% inheritable, uh, which means that okay. it, it runs in families. People know this, you know? And so in the near future, like, as in, like, the next five years, uh, there's going to be some pretty strong tests. Uh, that people are going to run within families to predict what your chance of schizophrenia is. And what is, how does that change lives? Well, schizophrenia and autism, uh, in particular, schizophrenia tend to have triggers. uh, And you know, there's medications you can take and other things like that. So uh, this is going to be like genetics for good. Right. On the other hand, um, you're going to have like people predict like IQs and other things within families. And there's going to be like a stupid sibling and a smart sibling. And how is that going to affect their like, you know, if they know like, parents will, like, have to confront this, like, should we tell, you know, sibling A that they're predicted to be considerably less intelligent than sibling B, you know, especially if in school it turns out sibling B finds things much easier, right? So I, you know, this goes into the whole issue of free will and a compatibilism and determinism and, and stuff like that. Genetics is just, like, a, a part of it, right? It's just a part of it that's amenable to us in terms of, like, aggregate statistical predictions, Um, I would say that, you know, obviously for, like, psychopathologies, it's just going to be used. uh, Basically as a, you know, anticipatory thing. Resources, targeting, etc. You know, Paige Harden talks about this sort of thing in Genetic Lottery. Um, The issue is when you have things like intelligence uh, or, like, extroversion, which is, like, you know, 30% heritable, right? So it's not... Once you're starting to get below 50, the prediction... Quality is lower, is a lot lower on the individual level, but some of these is going to be are going to be pretty good, and so um, I I don't know, have like a good pat answer for this. Partly because I think it depends on your ideology. Uh, like if you're like the sort of conservative that's like you know quote okay with inequality, uh, it's a lot easier uh, than if you are a certain type of conservative or liberal or American uh, that basically is like oh there's magical free will and agency right? Horatio okay. Alger, you know? Like, you too could be, like, a billionaire or a quarterback, even though you're 5'2". You know, like, I mean, I'm I being caricature, but you know what I'm saying. Like, there's a certain type of American sure. in particular that's worried about it. There are, like, people on the left who are actually okay with a lot of this, because they're like, well, we just believe in high taxation and redistribution, period. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's just like, you know, some people, you know, from each according to their abilities to each according to their needs, Right? And so, like, there are people like Freddie DeBoer is probably the best American example, but there's a lot of people like this who have like left wing politics, but they believe in heritability of characteristics, and they just think like it's not fair.
0: So this is why we believe in socialism. Okay. Well, so, but like Paige Harden, for example, I was on a flight from DC last year. I was reading the New Yorker. They did her. They put her on the. I mentioned in there. The centerfold oh shit, maybe I need to go back and read yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not
1: mentioned positive. Uh, like, fuck that guy. I don't like that guy, but anyway.
0: Well, the the, the article was uh, trying to explore this contention anyway, and I'm getting the audience caught up on this just a little bit, because I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, but obviously, uh, Paige Harden, uh, she was saying that she thinks that she can speak down the center of politics and uh, help people understand more about uh genetics and uh and behavior and use these things to in improve the world which which i don't think anybody will be able to speak uh, about these dynamics in the middle i don't think that is a reality like the political middle is not a true middle in my opinion sure it's just a different way to uh uh cede authority or uh power uh, but like why do you think she would even make this multi-page argument on like why genetics and these uh, discussions around genetics should like try to find a middle ground like what what is she even trying to say there in your opinion
1: well so basically so I mean, I'm very familiar with Paige's work okay so let me just like put that out there and I don't want to okay. say any more because people like guilt by association so I'm not going to say anything more than that but, because um, I don't know who, who watches or listens, right? But um, basically, um, I think her idea, the idea of some be- a lot of behavior geneticists, but not most, because most of them just want to do academic work, uh, is that we are getting all of these results and all of this understanding about human social phenomena manifest in the world around us. And that can help us in terms of understanding why policy doesn't work in certain ways and does work in others, okay? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, she, I mean... Look, I mean, she's trying to be... I mean, her book is... I think it's, there's a... I, read, I reviewed it for Unheard. Um, and I also have a really long review uh, on um, my okay. sub stack. But um, basically, I think her idea is... If you're going to make policy, you need to be informed by the priors. And so genetics is part of the priors. Now, mm. really, she's... I felt like the book was really speaking to liberals because she's a liberal. You know? Yeah. Uh, but she tries to have it both ways sometimes in her family, as she's mentioned in public... They're, they're MAGA people, they're like Red America, Southern white people, you know, so she has much more empathy and, and uh, identity with those people than the typical academic, that's not from that background, yeah. you know? Right. But, fundamentally, sure. she is very liberal, and the people that she's trying to convince are very liberal, and what she's trying to actually cover is her left flank, okay? okay. Now, she gets attacked by right-wingers all the time, but it doesn't matter, that, that's not going to affect her career in any way. There's no right wingers in academia except for like Richard Lowry at UT. Okay, like I know the one. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Like at UT, I know the one Repo- you know like, the Republican professor, okay? I just named him. Okay? okay? Of like yeah. the thousands of professors that, that there there are at UT, you know? I just named him. So it's like she doesn't <laughs> have to worry about all the right wing attacks. She has to worry about the left wing attacks where they're accusing her of being a eugenicist or racist, all these things, you know? And so okay. she's trying to cover that flank. and I mean, I think her work is pretty reasonable. So there are some critiques uh, from population geneticists that I've seen where it's like, oh, you can't make the causal inferences you're making. That's fine. The problem is that all of social science is invalidated. Mm. These same population geneticists are not like, well, you know, we can't say about systemic racism, blah, blah, blah. Right? Mm. Like all of, all, of the, all of the social science that they, that they lean on to support their own ideology is also suspect. If what Page is saying is suspect, but they don't—they don't say that. They just say what Page is saying is suspect. So I think it's double standards, and it's mostly because you know biology and genetics is held to a double standard in terms of causality. That's one of it. Uh, the okay. second issue is you know a lot of geneticists in particular don't like uh, the bad. They don't like behavior genetics. They don't like that that field. They think it has a bad history, and there are some sketchy issues there um they it could it like annoys their own research like they're working at drosophila or some other organism and they don't want people asking them about that they don't respect behavior geneticists they think it's a trash field and uh you know they have like ideological reasons because uh, they worry that people like me will co-opt it and they don't you know whatever uh i mean i keep my, i think i keep my politics they used to people used to be more clear about this but now because everyone's woke they have changed their views, and now they denounce me, but people used to be like, yeah, like, Razim has right-wing politics, but he keeps the science separate from that. They used to say that, you know? Which I think oh, I do, really? but now they just say I'm a Nazi or something, probably. You know, I don't know.
0: Jeez. Well, they have what to, they
1: have is. to, you know, it's their soul. I mean, they probably believe it, too. Like, I've had friends publicly denounce me who, like, said really bad things. I mean, according to what they believe now, like, five years ago, you know? they've They've changed. I don't think they remember, which is fine, but I do.
0: You know? Well, and again, like, I don't have to, like, endorse y- y- your perspective as much as I can be intrigued by the knowledge that you're sharing. And there's lots of legitimacy. Yeah, but I,
1: but I think knowledge uh, is dangerous. The That's the attitude.
0: This knowledge but, is uh, dangerous.
1: It should stay with stay within. It should stay within. I mean, either, like, the younger people don't even know that the knowledge, like, they have, like, they have different views because, you know, it's kind of like, uh, the way I explain it is, like, the rise of Christianity in the Roman Empire. It's, like, the first generation of intellectuals and elites that were Christian were like, you know, this is kind of insane. Like, okay, like, this guy clearly did not rise from the dead. You know, Eucharist, what is this? But, you know, we'll go along with it. But, like, by the second and third generation, they're like, well, of course that's the blood and body of Christ. Literally. You know? Because that's all they were raised with. And so, like, you know, there's a new generation of, of scholars and they're total ideologues. They have no idea that they're ideologues. And uh, it's it's going to be a problem because half the country that funds them do uh, think that they want to put them in cages which they do mm. <laughs> you know mm. i mean like like i mean they're like I, I like you know the, the story i like to tell is like you know like i've been like physically attacked and almost physically attacked two years in a row at a scientific conference because of my open politics because people find the, that my politics by their very existence is is an assault on them mm. right but my politics are actually like not that extreme they're pretty typical for center-right people pretty typical for a lot of the people that are funding them right and so but they don't they don't connect that in their head because they live in a bubble you know the like i have a friend who uh was accused of being a republican uh because he's like more of a centrist liberal in his lab this guy was like a elizabeth warren stan and he's like the far right edge you know and and this is a true story you know uh bernie's probably at the center uh you know and like you know like, wokeness is at the center and then you have the communists on the left and then you have like a few far right reactionary bootleg stands you know okay and that's the distribution you got you know and uh it's totally detached from like the reality of the world out there but you know you know i mean they hmm. that's that is the world in, that they live in so uh that's fine but uh it's not the world i live in i don't care you know <laughs> so it causes problems
0: yeah to that but if there are issues that um, some of the genetic or genetic-slash-behavioral uh, research will create in the wrong hands, uh, then we can just assume that, like, every invention has made it into the wrong hands at some point or, or has been, yeah. you know, well, weaponized.
1: Well, okay. Uh, like, you know, over the last five years, or at, the last seven years, actually, because of prenatal non-invasive testing, uh, basically... Uh, you know, the number of Down Syndrome babies has really crashed. And academics are not talking about that. Why? Mm. Well, pro-life people are pissed about it, and that's not their tribe. So you can't be, you know. And also, academics, uh, they have children, like, you know, later, they're probably doing this themselves. So what they do is not Mm. problematic. When you do it, you you know what I'm saying? It's not a problem. Right? So, sure. when, when you when you are ableist, it's not a problem. <laughs> you know? When you're, like, terminating like pregnancies because the chromosome count came back wrong, that's not a problem. That's your choice.
0: Because
1: mm. I've tried to bring this up multiple times on social media, and, like, I get no response from academics. They just don't want to talk about it. And I think it's because they do it. So, if they do it, it can't be bad. So, once things start to get done, it won't be bad anymore. Probably.
0: Mm.
1: Honestly. I mean, that's very cynical, but... I mean, like, have you heard of it? I mean, like, people don't talk about this. The only people that talk about this are, like, pro-life activists. But basically, nobody does amnio anymore. Or not too many people. It's, like, way Because you do a blood draw from the mom, and you can tell if the fetus has Down syndrome. And then you make the decision. Mm. And, like, it, this is free for th- with people with insurance. If you're 35 and above, last I checked, it's probably free now for 30 and above. I don't know. So, uh, this is the thing... And people aren't talking about it because I think people are doing it. Like in vitro fertilization. It was like, ooh, a big deal. And then it was playing God in the 80s. But now that everyone's doing it, it's just not a big deal, right? And right. so once, you know, like I, I, got, I have a, another friend. Uh, once science becomes technology, once science becomes engineering, it's no longer controversial. So once we can do genetic engineering, probably won't be controversial. And we can, like, you know, you know, just be real about certain things. I don't know. We'll see. Like if you can, like, boost your IQ... I mean that's long in the future because it's a complicated issue, but it's probably feasible. There's probably trade-offs. Then all of a sudden, these arguments will be different because they'll it'll get real. Shit's gonna get real, right? Mm. Like if you can make yeah, it's it fascinating.
0: Same. Yeah. Well, Razib, I know you got to run, but uh, before that, uh, and you've mentioned a couple times, but let's string it all together. What are the best places to interact with your content, your material? Where? Should my listeners go? If they yeah,
1: want to yeah sure. Uh, I mean, the best place to go to Reseem. com. Uh, okay. Like, I have all my stuff there. You links to my Substack, links to my podcast, uh, links to my blog, links to places I've contributed. If you want to contact via me email, you got a question, like, give me a shout. Um, obviously, I'm on Twitter at ReseemCon, but I might not see your tweet because. I don't see replies by people I don't follow, you know? Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, you know, uh, so if you're not one of those 3,000, um, so that's probably, you know, email me. But, yeah, just go to com. You'll see everything. And I got a podcast, Razeeb on Unsupervised Learning. The sub is called Razeeb on Unsupervised Learning. I got an older podcast called The Insight. The archives are still there if you want to check that out. I also contribute to Brown Pundits. Uh, it's just like a brown website, but Indian-themed. Uh, I contribute to this podcast every now and then. So, you know, there's a lot of content out there. Uh, if you, you know, want to find it, you'll find it, all right? So
0: Perfect. Now, Razib, this was really cool. I wish we could talk way longer, but I appreciate you for uh, joining.
1: Some other time, man. Yeah, it was great talking. It was great to yeah, catch it up uh, off Clubhouse because that's a dying
0: app. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's something else, but thank you, Razib.